0: With your financial advisor before the following program is sponsored by the national prayer chapel
1: there is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known He's the only shelter from the coming storm.
0: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. There is a way of escape. It is not an easy way. The way is opened by honest, complete, and full repentance before a holy God. We like to skip that part and just say, Oh, I'm, I'm being told all my sins are forgiven. But you don't have peace in your mind and your heart. So you're still under judgment. There's a process we have to go through. It's called the narrow gate, the groaning gate. Why is it narrow and why is it groaning? Because it requires that we be born from above by the power of the spirit of God. Jesus is the way of escape, not a church, not a philosophy. It is a person. His name is Jesus. He is God. We began a study out of the book of John. We're going to continue that today. In the Gospel of John, the first chapter, we learn that the Word was in the beginning, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Again, word is logos, meaning... The creative idea behind all creation. Everything was designed by somebody. But God is the creator of all things. The word is the creator of all things. And John is coming and saying, Jesus is that word. Now he tells us the wonderful news in verse 4. In him with life. Do you want to live? Then you're going to have to get to Jesus. You're going to have to go in the agony and suffering of sin, mental, physical, and you're going to have to get to Jesus because he is the life and the light This is an extremely dark world, but the darkness that tries to suck us in cannot keep us if we turn to the light. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light keeps on shining in the dark, but the darkness could not overcome it. Now, because of that statement, I want to say something to you, but I want you to hear me say it in kindness. I can no longer sympathize with people who are sinners. What do I mean? I have, through the years, felt sorrow and sympathy for people who were walking in darkness. I no longer can do that everything available for you is in Jesus and in Jesus everything is available there is no longer any excuse for sin oh he's just weak he just he can't do it himself wrong we come to Jesus And the door is opened by repentance. The door is opened by coming and honestly admitting before Jesus what we have done in detail. You may even need to do that with another person if you can't do it in detail with Jesus. James tells us, confess your faults one to another. But Jesus is the one who needs to hear our confession. And he is the one who steps into that confession of sin and washes us by his blood. Everything of necessity for you to walk in life has been provided by the blood of Jesus. Some say, my past, my present, and my future sins have all been forgiven They don't know the scriptures. It's wrong. The only sins that are forgiven are the sins you have honestly confessed before him. And you have utterly and totally given yourself over to Jesus. And you're going to have to pray through that. And it will take you time. It will take you sometimes days, not months, but days. It will take you time to confess your sin before God, to enter into the light where everything is exposed. Now, what's going to be exposed? Everything you've done wrong. All of your sin will be exposed. That's painful, but you can do it. What we search for is a man. His name is Jesus. It will require that you die to yourself and to your opinions. It will require that you lay everything down on the altar of burnt offering. Romans, the 12th chapter. Now, some of you, you earnestly desire that Jesus should heal you. But the great healing that needs to take place is not first in your body. It's first in your spirit. We are spirit people. We have physical bodies, but we are spirit people. I know people who have listened to this broadcast And yet when I've talked with them, they've been so full of their own ideas. They've been so full of judgments against this politician or that politician that all they can talk about is all of their anger at the world. No, you're going to have to let all of that go. Your physical healing will not happen until you have done a complete work of repentance. The first word of Jesus in the gospel is repent. The first word of Peter, repent. Of John, repent. Of the apostle Paul, repent. There is no way around this issue of repentance. It is the gateway by which we gain access, where we lay our life down, and we receive the gift of being born from above, We receive the gift of being made whole. There is no other way. Now, when we read in Matthew, I'm going to read this portion to you. I think it's important that you hear it. Matthew, the third chapter. Now, in those days, John, the baptizer, comes preaching in the desert of Judea, saying, You must repent. For the kingdom of heaven has come near. I want to tell you, we are close to the coming of the Lord Jesus. And there is nothing more important than repenting today. That's what we're called to do. Listen. Listen. For this is the one having been spoken of by Isaiah the prophet, saying, A voice crying out in the desert, You must prepare the way of the Lord. You must make his path straight. Today, again, the first call is for you to make the path straight to Jesus. And you make that path straight by repenting. Now, some of you... Want to jump ahead, and you want to pray for healing and when john when when John speaks about this, he doesn't say the first step is healing. that comes later. Listen now, John himself had his clothing from the hairs of a camel and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and the entire region around the Jordan were going out to him, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. They had to confess their sins before John would baptize them. But having seen many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, O offspring of snakes! who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. In fact, you must produce fruit worthy of repentance. And may you not think or say among yourselves, we have a father, Abraham, For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham out of these stones, and even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. So every tree not producing good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I want to say to you, please, today Hebrews, the fourth chapter, tells us that the day of salvation is now. It will not always be now. It will soon pass. Today, you can still enter into salvation. But it must begin with this work of repentance. And don't believe those who say to you, oh, you're saved. There's no condemnation in Jesus. There is no condemnation in Jesus, but there is judgment. The wrath of God is poured out on us because we sin against him as we run from him. I praise God today, I can honestly say to you, while the axe is at the root of your life, because Satan wants to destroy you and the judgments of Jesus or that he will give you over to Satan to do every unclean thing. He says, I indeed baptize you with the water unto repentance, but the one coming after me is mightier than me, whose sandals I'm not worthy to remove. He himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. There are those who who want to baptize in the Holy Spirit but they've never walked in the repentance. His winnowing shovel is in his hand, and he will thoroughly cleanse his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with fire never to be put out. So, let's be honest, can we? Jesus has a judgment against you if you are still walking in your sin. But if you have turned and you're now saying, I need that way of escape. There is a way of escape. And that escape is through the man, Jesus Christ. But to follow Jesus, you're going to have to give up your life here and take a new birth from Jesus by his spirit. It is a supernatural work of grace that occurs when someone has finished the work of repentance when they have said, I must have Jesus. This is not institutional religion. This is not a program. This is not a set of classes you go to. This is a personal work that you do with the Holy Spirit as you decide that you must have this way of escape. There is no escape out of sin and darkness and destruction and disease. There is no escape except through the man, Jesus Christ. Now let's come back to John. A man having been sent from God, his name was John. This is John, the first chapter, verse 6. This man came for a witness so that he might witness concerning the light that all men might believe through him that men, that man was not the light, but that he might witness concerning the light. He was the light, the true one, which enlightens every man coming into the world. Jesus will enlighten you about the path that you are to take. I cannot tell you the path. Jesus must outline that path for you, and he will begin with the word that I've spoken to you. You must repent fully and completely. And you must give yourself utterly into the hands of Jesus. Not into the hands of a church, into the hands of Jesus. He was the light, the true one, which enlightens every man coming into the world. Remember I just said a moment ago, I don't sympathize with sinners anymore. I tell them, repent and come into the light and begin to live that godly life that Jesus will give to you to live. He enlightens every man coming into the world. That is, every human person who is born on this earth is given a measure of that light. Some call it faith. That you can begin to reach out and say, I must have Jesus. He was in the world and the world came into being through him and the world recognized him not. He came to his own, but his own people received him not. But as many as received him, he gave to them authority to become children of God. If you will receive Jesus, he will give you the authority in the spirit realm to become a Christian He was born not out of blood, nor out of the will of flesh, neither out of the will of man, but out of the will of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. We observed his glory, glory as the one and only of his kind, from the Father, full of grace and truth. John came witnessing. Please hear me. If you have messed up your life, if you've done things that you knew were absolutely wrong, I won't sympathize with you and say, oh, poor thing. I will say, get to Jesus and begin the work of repentance. Humble your heart before Almighty God. Stop running after everybody and everything to try to find a fix for your problem. Get to Jesus. And he'll direct your steps for where you need to go, where and when and how. I want to read something else for you. On the next day, this is John, the first chapter. On the next day, he sees Jesus coming toward him, and he says, look, the Lamb of God, the one taking away the sin of the world. This is he about whom I said, a man is coming after me who was before me because he existed before me. And I had not recognized him, but in order that he may be made known to Israel, for this reason I came baptizing with water. And John witnessed, saying, I have observed the Spirit coming down out of heaven as a dove, and he remained upon him. And I had not recognized him except the one having sent me to baptize with water. That one said to me, upon whom you may see the spirit coming down and remaining upon him. This is the one baptizing with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have testified that this man is the son of God. The truth is, Jesus came to take away your sin. He came to take away your sickness. He came to take away your depression, your discouragement. He came to bring you into the light, the light of love and joy and peace. He came to bring you into a new life. Not one foot in darkness and one foot in light. Not the twilight zone. The twilight zone is not in Jesus. I want to share something else. This passage of scripture says very clearly, Look, the Lamb of God, the one taking away the sin of the world. Jesus is the only one who can take away your sin. But I want to be very clear. Jesus does not come to cover over our sin. He comes to remove it. The word to forgive in the Greek is the word to remove. It does not say the Lamb of God is the one forgiving the sin of the world. No, I don't want my sin to simply be forgiven. I want it to be taken away. I want to be made whole. Now, I'm going to go to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verse 4. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Verse 11, this is Hebrews 10, verse 11. Now every priest has stood day by day ministering the offering, the same sacrifice that can never take away sins. But he himself, after having offered one sacrifice in behalf of sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Finally, waiting until his enemies may be put as a footstool under his feet. For by the one offering, he has perfected forever the ones being made holy. Now I want you to catch the significance of what I've just shared with you. There are many today who teach that Jesus forgave all future sin, He did not. He did not even forgive your past present sin until you receive Jesus Christ and you receive his blood. It is only the blood of Jesus that can forgive or remove your sin. Do you hear me? if you're living calling yourself a christian believing that your sins are all forgiven because jesus did it on the cross no he didn't what did he do on the cross he made provision for every man if he would come to him that his sin could be forgiven the blood of the bulls and the goats could not take away sin And there are those who say that Jesus' blood cannot take away your sin until you die. That all the blood of Jesus can do is cover over your sin so that when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus. That's a lie. It's not true. Nowhere in the scripture does it teach this. It teaches instead that the blood of Jesus... Can take away our sin. That is, remove our sin, make us whole. Now there's another scripture I want to read. Let me begin in verse 15. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after he has said before, This is the covenant I will make with them, after that day, says the Lord, putting my laws in their hearts and in their minds. I will write them, and their sins and their iniquities I will by no means remember any longer. Why does he not remember our sins and our iniquity? Because his blood removes them from us, and we are forgiven. But that requires a full work of repentance and turning and receiving Jesus. Now, where there is removal of these, there's no more sacrifice concerning sin. Why is there no longer a sacrifice? Because it's not needed. The provision is there, but it's no longer needed. Now, listen. Having therefore, brothers, this is Hebrews, the 10th chapter. I'll begin reading at verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, confidence for the entrance into the holies by the blood of jesus a new and living way which he opened for us through the curtain that is his flesh and having a great high priest over the house of god may we draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith our hearts having been sprinkled from an evil conscience the blood of jesus takes away all of the judgments of God against us because of our sin. The body having been washed with pure water, may we hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for the one having promised is faithful. And may we encourage one another to love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves as as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And by so much more, as you see the day approaching, not willfully continuing to sin after we've received a clear knowledge of the truth. Many of you have not received a clear knowledge of the truth. That is what you're going to hear here. It will not be compromised it will not be sentimental i'm not going to be humoring i'm not going to be sympathetic with a sinner there's no reason to be that's like being sympathetic with a man who has a desperate infection no don't be sympathetic with him give him the medicine so he can be healed I don't want to continue, and I don't want you to continue in any manner in the sickness of sin. I want you to enter fully into the healing of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know the healing of God in your life and in your mind, in your heart and your body. Now let me continue reading verse 27, this is Hebrews 10, 27, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment, even the fury of fire being on the point to consume the adversaries. Anyone having rejected the law of Moses dies without mercy upon the word of two or three. But how much more punishment do you think he will considered worthy the one having trampled the Son of God underfoot, in fact, having regarded the blood of the covenant by which he was made holy a common thing, even having insulted the Spirit of grace. Now we understand the one having said, Vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands Of a living God. I have lived long enough to have watched a small child grow up and live much of his life. I've watched as men and women have turned away from Jesus and gone into wickedness. I've watched as the destruction comes upon them and they die. And go to hell. I've also had time to watch what happens when a man or a woman who has turned to sin, who has basically destroyed their body or their mind or their heart, turn to Jesus and find complete healing and release and walk the rest of their lives in joy. Until they're called home. And they go to be with the Lord. What's happening in your life? Are you walking in confusion and frustration? Are you being told this and that? But everywhere you turn, there is no relief. Relief is only going to be found in Jesus Christ. Now, I have struggled all of my life with a a basic issue. I began to see very early as a child the difference between the hypocrisy of the institutional church I saw that it was a business I saw that it was something that was based on man's rules man's regulations there were some good things there but I recognized there was not life there the church was basically dead And I have sought to understand this all of my life. I've been raised in the culture of the Western world, where institutional religion is the rule of the day. And I have utterly, totally turned my back on institutional religion. I don't want it. It's a stench in my nostrils. I don't want denominationalism. I want Jesus. And the struggle that I have walked through year after year, how do I find the reality of the presence of Jesus Christ? I don't want a system of beliefs. I don't want an academic approach to the gospel. I had that in my graduate school as I did my Masters of Divinity, and it was heart-sickening to me. And then the Lord, in His grace and His mercy, directed me to begin to read the Scriptures. And I began reading from Revelation, from from Matthew to Revelation, Matthew to Revelation, over and over as fast as I could read it. And it was like, it was like medicine to my soul. I still didn't understand a lot. Now, finally, when I hit the 50 times mark, I stopped counting, and now I just read it and read it and read it. Because it's, Medicine for my soul. It's my life. I found no life in the television. I find no life in the TikToks. I find no life in the videos. I find life in the scriptures. I'm directing you today to the scriptures. It is the word of God. I don't worship the scriptures I worship Jesus but the scriptures reveal to me the heart of Jesus so I don't come sympathizing with sinners I come saying there's a way of escape I don't condemn sinners that's not my place Jesus doesn't condemn sinners either but there is a judgment upon you if you're walking in sin. And that judgment can only be removed by the blood of Jesus. Our whole world is unstable. The debt market, global debt market, is now imploding. And probably the greatest danger in the world today is not nuclear war. The greatest danger today is that the whole financial system of the world is going to collapse. And out of the collapse of that, there will be much death and suffering. There will be starvation already. The UN Director of Food is saying 345 million people are on the verge of starvation. I think it's much larger than that. Larger than 200, larger than 350 million. We are in a very dire situation. If you look at the increase of population, you will see that that increase of population was in direct proportion to the increase of energy availability and when the energy availability disappears as it is now at doing and the global financial market collapses, well, you'll know then that we're under the third seal, the great reset, the black horse is coming across the earth. And then the pale horse, the four horses of the apocalypse. We are now entering fully into that final move and Jesus is going to come again. And my job is to help, along with others, to prepare the way of the Lord, even as John the Baptist did. And so I come speaking a very straight but prayerfully kind word. Pastor David Wilkerson, my father in the faith shook shook his finger in my face and he said preach justice with mercy and i'm enabling by the holy spirit to do just that but i can't lie to you the struggle i've had is how do i truly walk in the way of jesus and divorce all of the influence of the secular culture of which we are a part. I don't want the American culture. I want the culture of heaven. The culture of this world is the culture of of devil. He's a liar. He's a thief. He's a murderer. The culture of heaven is love, joy, peace, long suffering patience kindness goodness i want that that's what i want in my life but i can't have the world and jesus too so some of you you've pursued the world you've done the drugs you've done the you've done the nightclubs you've done the illicit sex you've done all kinds of things I pray that now you're ready to come to Jesus. I pray now you're ready to repent. Look, the Lamb of God, the one taking away the sin of the world. There is a way of escape. It is through Jesus Christ. Almighty God, I come today knowing that there is a way of escape and that I am a fellow pilgrim with each who is listening. I hate this wicked world, I hate this wicked culture. I hate the corruption in our government. I hate the corruption in our courts. Lord, I hate the corruption in men's hearts. But I know you have a way of escape. For those who are willing to humble their hearts before you and acknowledge that you are the Christ, that you are the Lord God of heaven, I know you will as men and women repent, as they get on their faces before you and they begin to weep over their sin and recognize that there is no peace in their heart, I know as men and women begin to do that, you will do for them what you are doing for me. You will bring your peace and your joy and your love into their hearts. And Lord, some have... Been searching so diligently for an answer and they've found no answer. They've, they've tried everything. Lord, I pray now that they're ready to try you, to come and give it all into your hands and humble their hearts and say, I must follow Jesus. Not a person in this earth, but the person Jesus Christ. I must follow Jesus. I must have Jesus. I'm tired of this misery and this woe. I'm tired of a heart that is condemned before God. I'm tired of the struggle to please everybody. I'm tired of the sickness and the misery. I must have Jesus. Lord, please come. And minister to each today who's crying out to you. Lord, I bind the enemy and say you cannot have these precious ones who are saying they want Jesus. I ask for a wall of fire to be placed around their lives, husbands and wives and children. I ask, Lord, that you would move in power to rescue these who are dying, who are lost, who are cut off. Lord, how miserable does a man or a woman have to become before they're finally willing to humble their heart and say, I must go back to Jesus. I must repent. For I have sinned against him and I have cut myself off from him. Lord, I know cheap fix will help this. I know it's a deep work of the soul as men and women come and repent and enroll in the school of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I don't want people to enroll in the school of the human heart. Lord, I want men and women to come and enroll in the school of the Holy Spirit and be taught about you, Jesus. Lord, please come. Hear our broken cries. Lord, there's been so many distractions for us. The lust of our heart, the desire of our heart has risen up time after time and taken us down roads that have led us to death and destruction and sorrow and misery. Lord, I'm not willing to play games with men or women any longer who are not willing to finally get serious with you and repent of their wicked heart. There is no comforting of a person who wants to live with one foot in the world and one foot with you, Jesus. It's all or it's nothing. Lord, I pray now that every man and woman listening to this broadcast will turn their heart to you, Jesus, and will take the way of escape, no matter what the cost is to them, financially, spiritually, friendships, marriages. Lord, I know the only answer is to take the road marked escape to Jesus and there find forgiveness for their sins and healing for their hearts and their bodies. Lord, my heart is sick with half-hearted Christians, with half-converted Christians, because it's such misery. There's no release. There's no true joy. Lord, I know we get so comfortable in our little hidey cave and we can put up with so much misery. We can put up with so much sorrow as long as we can go out and suck a little bit more from the devil of his sweet nectar. But it's poison. And Lord, some people listening today have made poor choices in their life. Time after time, they made the wrong choice because they wanted something. But Lord, now would you cause them to know that all they can want that will heal them is Jesus. Lord, you're the one I want. I pray, Lord Jesus, you will come and minister now to every heart that's crying out to you that you would give to them the gift of tears, of crying out, of sorrow for their sin, that they will give up their pride and their anger and their opinions and just seek you, Jesus. Thank you, my Lord. I pray in your holy name, amen. Will you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. We're coming to the end of the month, and we're not there yet financially to cover the cost of the radio bill at WAVA. I'm trusting Jesus to move in many of your hearts. I thank you for each one of you who has been so kind. Tom and Betty, Mike, Kurt, Lord, so many have given. Thank you. Thank you. You responded to the call of Jesus and you did what was necessary. So I look forward to hearing from you. You can write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and there you'll find a place to give and many other sermons and messages that will encourage your heart. You're also willing or welcome to, to come and worship with us on Sunday morning. Some are driving from all the way up in Frederick area. You're welcome to come. It's not too far. The National Prayer Chapel is a small house church, and we're very serious about our walk with Jesus. It's not an institutional setting. It's not an institutional message. So you can come Thursday evening. We do a Bible study. We're reading right now as well as praying. We're reading the book by Reese Howells, or by Norman Grubb, Reese Howells, the intercessor. You're welcome to come on Thursday evening at 7 o'clock, or you're welcome to come on Sunday. We begin praying at quarter of 10. But this is only for those of you who are very serious, who are done with institutional religion and you want Jesus. You can find directions on the webpage nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll pray for you. There is a way of escape. Take it before it's too late. God bless you.